Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Shotgun snap. Looks to his right. And he hits a Colts win in Nashville yesterday. I had about five heart attacks watching that game. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer over there, the special guest on the WIBC hotline. Kevin Bowen is part of the morning show over at 107.5 The Fan. The wake-up call with KB and Andy. KB, let's get into it. Uh, It wasn't pretty. It was chaotic. There was a lot of things happening in that game, but at the end of the day, that's a hell of a win. It is, and yeah, to kind of echo what Nige says, as I tweeted out yesterday, that game was drunker than a bachelorette party on Broadway Street. I think the Colts are hungover. The Titans are just a little bit more hungover, I would say, is how I would describe that one. Uh, Seven and five, still in that seventh playoff spot. Uh, It's just pretty crazy to say uh, right now. They've already hit their over on, on, on the win total here. Uh, at the start of the season with five weeks to go. You know, it's funny. Nigel sent me a text uh, in the first half of yesterday's game <laughs> and cleaning it up for radio was saying this game lacks excitement. <laughs> um, and first, then... That was a bad first half. Yeah. <laughs> then in the second half, we've got blocked punts, missed kicks, uh, returns for safeties. It was wild. I don't think I've ever seen a second half like that. I've never seen a game with two block kick, two block punts, let alone back to back. Let alone how easy both of them looked. Like you know, both the Colts' uh, blockers, if you will, um, Nick Cross and Tony Brown, they literally just kind of picked the ball <laughs> right off the punter's leg. It got so bad, or I guess it was viewed so badly in Mike Brable's eyes, he actually fired his special teams coordinator earlier today. Oh, so man. <laughs> I tend to think when you're able to get an opposing coach fired, you've either done something really good or they've done something really bad or some combination of both. And and, and there are a lot of little, you know, branches out from the game that you could go, you know, onto. But I thought those two block punts uh, really was exactly the jolt the Colts needed. I loved the, uh, the trick play. Uh, I loved Alec Pierce finally earning his money, so to speak. Uh, there were some uh, flashes, even in the first half of that game, of brilliance by the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and I guess let's focus on Pierce. You know, I, I think he is stunted a bit by having Gardner Minshew at quarterback because, you know, Anthony Richardson's strength as a passer is the ability to throw the ball down the field. And so when that draft selection was made with Richardson, even at Florida, as inconsistent of a passer – that he was, that was a strength of his. So I thought, okay, this makes sense. Even in Pierce's rookie season with Matt Ryan and Foles and Sam Ellinger, we saw flashes of his ability to make plays. Hell, if you're an Indiana or a Notre Dame football fan, you watch Alex Pierce do that to your school uh, back at Cincinnati a couple years ago. So he just, I don't think, has been able to showcase that. And, you know, on a day when the Colts struggled to kind of finish off drives in the red zone, 
Uh, Pierce was absolutely vital to them, and, and I did think Minshew made a couple of big-time throws on, on what was overall a pretty inconsistent day for Minshew. And I can't believe I'm about to channel my inner Jim Mora here and bring up playoffs with this team, but <laughs> the math, like all these analytical things online, have said there's a 67% chance right now that the Indianapolis Colts end up in the playoffs. Yeah, it's wild to say. I mean, honestly, when you look at the quarterbacks that are about to play, take, for example, Pittsburgh. They're supposed to play Pittsburgh a week from Saturday. Pittsburgh just lost their starting quarterback seemingly for that game. Kenny Pickett suffered an ankle injury yesterday. And he wasn't so even that good play. to begin with. <laughs> right, right. So they, they will play backup quarterbacks in all likelihood three of the next four weeks. And if you look at the schedule the rest of the way and compare them to the schedules of the other teams around them, I mean, it, it's – I, I'm shocked that I'm saying this on whatever, December 4th. It's kind of sitting on a platter for you. Now, granted, I mean, the Colts are a missed extra point away from, you know, the tone of this conversation being a whole lot different. Um, so, certainly, you, you you are playing with fire. Uh, if you want to look at a glass half full, you could play better than you have been. If you want to look at a glass half empty, as the competition started, starts to rise a little bit, you know, are you able to get away with that here moving forward? But they are in a great position at 7-5, and five, given the schedule upcoming here. And I obviously would not have said that at the start of the year. You're right. I'm looking at the schedule right now. And next Sunday, you're at Cincinnati without Joe Burrow. And then you host the Steelers, who just lost Kenny Pickett. And he wasn't that good to begin with. You're at Atlanta. Their quarterback stinks. And then the Raiders come in with a backup quarterback in Aiden O'Connell. And then the final game of the year could be really important. That's C.J. Stroud and the Texans. Yeah, and, and obviously Stroud's had a great season. Even he got a little banged up yesterday. But basically, if you want to circle two games on the schedule, I would look at um, Pittsburgh and Houston. Those are the two real big ones in terms of playoff implications. Obviously, they're all important to a level at this point of the season. But if you want to just kind of pinpoint two of them, those two are the ones that really stand out to me. Kevin Bowen, 107.5, the fan here on the Hammer and Nigel show. And back to the Colts quarterback, the backup quarterback, Gardner Minshew. Uh, is the read on him really just inconsistency at this point? I mean, like, uh, he made some incredible plays, some great throws, uh, but it's all, uh, it can be very frustrating watching him at the same time as well. Yeah, Nigel, and honestly, to kind of take it a little bit further with Minshew, he's not living up to even the standard he has created for himself. Because I think a lot of people just he can get a little lazy with it and be like, oh, you know, typical backup quarterback, you know, after you start whatever, six, seven games, you know, you finally show your true colors. But even this level of Minshew is not, you know, what he had kind of created for himself in prior stops, whether that be Jacksonville, whether that be even Philadelphia. So, that's where I kind of get back to that glass half full or glass half, half empty point of view. Like, there is a better standard Minshew has played to in this career and has honestly played several games at that level. But, again, he's not been that here as of late. I, you know, part of me is like, you know, will it get any better? Can it get any better? Again, the schedule seemingly gets a little bit tougher, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. So, I think it's fair to say, albeit it was – some impressive moxie by him in overtime. There's no no debating that. You're overcoming lackluster quarterback play, even for Minshew. Um, so, you know, how do you handle that moving forward with Jonathan Taylor going to be out? Looks like an, uh, another couple weeks. I think that's a big question as you project deeper into December. 
couple minutes left here with Kevin Bowen. Uh, Pacers have this in-season tournament knockout round game tonight. Now, I know a lot of people haven't really been into it. I'm the minority, man. I think it's been kind of fun. I don't mind the wacky court design. And honestly, talking about NBA late November, early December, it's kind of (laughs) rare. I'm on board with it. What do you think? I'm all in. Um, I think you kind of echoed everything that I would also say, Hammer. I I saw a picture earlier today of inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse for the game tonight. You know the gold towels on all those seats? I'm like, yeah. It kind of looks like April or May. Right, right. And and you know what? It's been nearly five years since we have experienced a home playoff game in this city. you got to go back to April 2019 for the last time the Pacers have had a home playoff game. So this is the closest you're going to get to that. It doesn't guarantee anything for the course of the season, but you're playing the best team in the East, and the Pacers have earned it. Yes, the NBA came up with this, you know, four-game group stage in-season tournament. The Pacers won all four of those games. They beat some very good teams within their group as well. And with that, they'll get the opportunity to be on national television tonight and and all of that. And, And for those guys in the locker room, that matters. I think we kind of live in our own little bubble. You know, who cares where you're on TV and things like that. I mean, if you're these guys, you play from all over the United States, you've come from all over the U.S., hell, even, you know, Canada, you want eyes on you. You want family members and friends across the U.S. to see you. And this team hasn't been afforded those opportunities, understandably, but now they've earned the right. And if they win tonight, they will continue to do that later this week in Las Vegas. Hey, KB, one more thing here. Um, what was your audience saying? What was your take uh, about Florida State being excluded from the college football playoffs? Yeah, I think it's an absolute joke, and it's coming from a Notre Dame fan, so I should theoretically <laughs> hate Florida State. But, um, I mean, look at what Florida State did just even Saturday night. They beat the number 15th-ranked team in the nation with a third-string quarterback by two scores on a neutral field. If that was an SEC team doing that, we'd have a parade for the SEC team. But because it's an ACC team, that can't be celebrated or has to be downgraded. Alabama just one week ago against Auburn, who let's remind people what Auburn had did the week pri- did the week prior. Auburn was a 21-point favorite against New Mexico State and lost 31 to 10 in that game. And Alabama needed a fourth and 31 to beat Auburn in that game. To me, it's strictly brand bias. It's strictly SEC bias. I, I guess more brand bias than anything. I think if that was Mississippi State or even Auburn, for example, and not Alabama, you would not have jumped them. Florida State did everything. They went undefeated. They scheduled two SEC teams. They beat LSU by 21 points on a neutral field earlier this year. And just because their quarterback gets hurt, uh, they can't be in the dance. So um, I feel awful, awful for uh, for Florida State fans. And, again, uh Every ounce of me as a Notre Dame fan doesn't want to say that, but got to get my honest thoughts. You're totally wrong. You're completely wrong, KB. The best four teams are in there, but we're out of time. And we appreciate (laughs) you joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Shocking the SEC fan. <laughs> Check out Kevin Bowen's work, The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy every Monday through Friday, 1075 The Fan. KB, thank you. See you guys. Have a good one. Biden Madness, the final four. We kick it off next.